Hey guys, welcome along to Hellmouth Hotline. I'm your host, Rodney Stewart, and we're on the lead-up to Halloween right now. And uh, let's get into some classic horror movies, along with the Buffy stuff, every other day, of course. Uh, for the eagle-eared listeners out there, uh, Numbnuts hasn't uploaded in a while, but I have been trying to uh, get my health in order as far as quitting smoking and that goes and uh, I've been trying that for the last few weeks and uh, my head is insanely up my arse with that right now uh, the last couple of days has just been trying to sleep off the flipping symptoms of not smoking pain in the ass and of course trying to uh, keep myself healthy with the personal trainer but uh, you know that's offering excuses and again probably said it before in the show I hate offering an excuse because of not getting uploads out there it is just uh, it's shite at the end of the day you know if you're going to be wanting to do something like this podcasting you need to be putting it out there no matter what the circumstances so I do apologise but we're back at it now and we're going to get into uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street So guys, if you are uh, a similar age to myself, I am now in my early 40s, let's just say. Um, <laughs> I'll be 43 very soon, so whenever this movie came out in 1984, I was just a, a small, small child at the time. I was only about, what, five, six years old at the very most whenever this movie was released. And my father... And me had this thing at the weekends. He was a was a long distance truck driver, uh, so he didn't, was working huge hours during the week. So we would have some father son time. Uh, I'm the youngest of three brothers. Uh, there's there's a good ten year difference between me and the next brother up. So um, Saturdays and Sundays we would have like a father son time of going to the local video shop. Uh, and renting out a couple of movies for one for me, which would be like a, a cartoon, some you know, something that would be suitable for a small child. And he would rent out something that he wanted to see, you know. So I'd be getting something like you know, Transformers or Ewoks or something like that, or even GoBots was on the go from time to time. And he would rent out like a John Wayne Western or something like that, and then we would sit down uh, on a Sunday afternoon, watch the two movies back to back, and it was good memories, but I remember being in the video shop way back in the day, whenever these movies were coming out, and you always seen the odd little poster up for A Nightmare on Elm Street, or some of them movies, so you you were always curious about these films that you were not allowed to see, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was one of them for me, and uh, whenever I did eventually get to see it, I think I was probably, you know, it was on TV one night, probably around 87, 88, I think was the first time I got a glimpse of this movie on late night television whenever I was up channel hopping when I should be sleeping. And uh, yes, Freddy Krueger was always one of those horror villains that kind of freaked you out in a major major way because the idea the concept of 
Freddy Krueger uh, been able to kill people in their dreams was one of these ideas that just you know played with your mind and uh, I know it did for me and quite a few other people that I knew growing up had the, the same thing whenever they the, the found out what Freddy Krueger was uh, what he could do you know you were always kind of weirded out whenever you were lying down to sleep at night time because you were kind of you know thinking that Freddy was going to come for you in your dreams but it's, that's it's a movie do you know what I mean but uh, whenever you're into it at a younger age like, like Freddy definitely did freak out the kids in a big bad way back in the day Nightmare on Elm Street is an absolute classic now as far as like anybody listening to this podcast and the horror stuff you're going to know what Freddy Krueger and the Nightmare on Elm Street is about so Let's just do a quick plot synopsis. Uh, March 1981. Uh, the film set in 81. Tina Gray wakens up from a nightmare where a disfigured man wearing a blade-fixed glove attacks her in a boiler room. Uh, and her mother points out four mysterious slashes on her nightgown. So from the very opening sequence in the movie, you're realising that this nightmare or these nightmares that the kids are having is manifesting in the real world as well from the very beginning of the movie it, you know everything's up front it doesn't hold anything back and you know we do eventually get to see this playing out as we go through the movie the following morning Tina's best friend Nancy Thompson uh, and her boyfriend Glenn Lance who you know they try to console her now Interestingly enough, if you weren't aware of this, uh, let's just go through who all's in this movie. As far as the cast goes, we've got Heller Langenkamp as Nancy Thompson, that's the main character in it. John Saxon is her father, he's a lieutenant with the police. Robert England, of course, Freddy Krueger, absolute legend. And Johnny Depp, like, there's a mess of horror characters, we're not going to go too far into all those guys. Uh, beyond that main handful, you know, these guys are just uh, fodder for Freddy Krueger at the end of the day. But her boyfriend, Glenn, played by Johnny Depp, this was actually his first movie. And uh, he really, compared to what he looks like these days, or you would know him on, on a lot of the major, major movies, he looks a lot different in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like he's. I uh, don't even want to guess what age he was and everything did that, but he, was, he wasn't that old at the time. So, uh, if you weren't aware of that, uh, Johnny Depp is in there in his first role, and he has got more blood in his body than the average human. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, you'll not get that, but if you have seen the movie, you'll probably have a little chuckle at that, because that's the one thing that everybody says, his death sequence in the the movie is, uh, he basically falls asleep on top of his bed, and then Freddy's claw hand comes up through the, the actual mattress and pulls him right down inside it, and then like this volcano of blood shoots up out of the the bed and just falls the room full of blood and this is all manis- manifested in the real world but you're just you're sitting there looking at it and you're thinking oh it's f- fairly gruesome but uh where the heck's all this blood coming from like this one guy 
doesn't make sense but it doesn't need to make sense you know it's a horror movie it's uh cheese at its finest and it was the you know back in the day whenever the the slasher films were coming out in a, a big bad way and uh it definitely has its part in horror history so to get back to it uh nancy and glenn they're trying to console tina after this nightmare she has at the beginning of the movie and the two of them decide to stay at tina's house when tina's mother's mother's when tina's mother goes out of town uh but tina's boyfriend rod lane interrupts her sleepover and him and tina go into the bedroom full about and whatnot and then eventually she falls asleep and she dreams of this disfigured man chasing her and her boyfriend then he's woken up by tina thrashing about in the bed and uh he sees uh dragged and fatally slashed by an unseen force like she's getting this sequence in the movie is well done you know for a film that you know was well ahead of all the cgi stuff everything in it was practical the the sequence were you know whatever's happening in her dream we're not actually seeing the dream part of it ourselves but we're seeing the real world version of what's happening to her in the dream or the nightmare I should say so her boyfriend Rod is there he's seeing her getting thrown about the room and then uh, when Freddy kills her in the dream in real life you actually see these four slashes opening up down her chest and stomach and like, he pretty much guts her on the bed and you know it just it is it's very very well done for its time uh the boyfriend then he flees the apartment doesn't know what to do he's freaked out uh he flees and then nancy and glenn awaken to find tina dead in the room uh the next day nancy's father don thompson arrests rod uh despite his pleas of innocence and at school later that day nancy then falls asleep in class and dreams that the man chases her to the boiler room where she is cornered the beginning of this dream she's actually she the way that it's done uh you know she falls asleep in class then wakes up uh it's, it's done so flipping well that for a few seconds you're thinking okay is she asleep or is she awake at this point they kind of there's parts of the movie that does blur the lines between reality and the nightmare world and when she goes out into the corridor she sees uh, this body bag and then uh, an unseen force lifts it by the feet and starts dragging it down the corridor leaving this streak of blood behind it and again all practically done looks absolutely amazing but in the the boiler room she gets cornered by freddy uh then uh, she sees this hot pipe up above her and she deliberately burns her arm on the pipe so it will startle her to wake up in class and she notices that the burn mark is on her arm in reality so nancy started to realize what's happening in the nightmares is actually happening in real life whoever this is if he kills us in the dream we also die in real life uh nancy then visits rod at the police station who describes tina's death along with his own recent nightmares making nancy believe that the man killed tina 
uh, is this figure that she's been dreaming about as well. Uh, at home, Nancy falls asleep in the bathtub and is nearly drowned. That's probably the most iconic sequence out of this movie. You know, any of the the clips and stuff you'd have seen of Nightmare on Elm Street, as far as promotion on that went, was her in the bathtub with, you know, the camera was kind of down at her feet, looking up towards her head, and you would see the the clawed hand of Freddy Krueger coming up up out of the water. Uh, it's it's iconic. Everybody knows that sequence. Uh, she nearly drowns in the bath, and uh, Nancy then uh, she's you know her mother thinks that she's rescued her, but she she's awake. She's up. She's okay. She's still alive. She then gets uh, dependent on caffeine to stay awake, and uh, you know I believe. It's been a while since I checked out the movies. I'm trying to remember. Is it Nightmare on Elm Street 2? She's in, or did she skip that movie and come back in 3? I want to say it's 3, but uh, that's skipping well ahead. Uh, she's depending on coffee on this film to stay awake. I'm just connecting to something that happens in another movie that has absolutely nothing to do with this one. So we'll just forget that I went down that path and we'll skip back to where we were at. I do apologise. Numb nuts. Agent. Trying to quit smoking. Head up my ass. <laughs> it is what it is. Sorry guys. Um, Nancy, uh, she's dependent on caffeine pills and actual coffee to stay awake and then she invites Glenn to watch her as she's sleeping uh, she wants him to wake her at a certain time, she wants to go into the dream and see if she can bring Freddy out in her dream Nancy sees the man prepared to kill Rod in his cell but then he turns his attentions towards her, uh, Nancy runs away wakes up when her alarm clock goes off uh, the man, Freddy Krueger uh, kills Rod by wrapping bed sheets around his neck, staging it as a suicide via hanging. Uh, at Rod's funeral, Nancy's parents become worried when she describes her dreams. Her mother, uh, Marge, takes her to a sleep disorders clinic where, in a dream, Nancy grabs the fedora with the name Freddy Krueger and pulls it into the real world. So, uh, like, she's... She's under, she's out cold, she's sleeping, she's hooked up to all these machines and her mother's in the next room and uh, the sleep scientist is there and he's describing everything that you should see on the the machines, like there's the paper coming out and the little uh, dials is drawn lines on it up and down, up and down, you know, this is, you know, she's in early sleep, you know, the line's almost straight and the line kind of moves a little bit, she's going into... REM sleep and then the lines go absolutely crazy whenever she starts the nightmare with Freddy Krueger we don't actually get to see this nightmare or anything that's happening in it but uh, the guy's on there freaking out he's like I've, I've never seen anything like this before I don't know what the heck is going on essentially and uh, you know the, the curious thing about uh, just before that whenever uh, Nancy's describing the dreams to her mother and father like they give each other a look that lets the audience know that there's something far deeper here. You know, they know this person that she's talking about. So uh, after the whole dream sequence and the the sleep disorder center, uh, she wakes up from the dream. She's she's got a cut and uh, 
she pulls the hat out and has Freddy's name and say that after barricading the house, Marge explains that uh, and you know she puts all these bars in the house. Another iconic shot from any of the promotional material of this movie was the outside of the house and the bars and the windows and like that came back on later films as well. Uh, so after barricading the house, they got Marge explains that Kruger was an insane child murderer who was released on a technicality and then burned alive by the parents living on their streets seeking vigilante justice. Uh, he killed goodness knows how many children before the police caught him but something went wrong. Some one of the policemen didn't read his rights to him properly and they got off in some sort of little technicality they got. Nancy realises that Kruger, now a vengeful ghost or demon, whatever you want to kill him, want to kill him, whatever you want to call him, is killing her and her friends out of revenge, uh, to, you know, satisfy his psychopathic needs. Nancy tries to call Glenn to warn him, but his father prevents her from speaking to him. Uh, Glenn, of course, eventually falls asleep. Uh, he is meant to stay awake to midnight, and, uh, you know, Stay awake, well, stay awake to my knees. Nancy wants him to stay awake forever. We can't sleep, or Freddy's going to get us. Glenn falls asleep. He's killed by Kruger. And, uh, of course, I already spoke about that. Never was talking about uh, the, the amazing amount of blood that the human body can, <laughs> can hold that as the sequence in the film. Again, another very iconic sequence from this movie. Now alone, Nancy puts Marge to sleep and asks Dawn, her father, who is across the street investigating Glenn's death, to break into the house in 20 minutes. So she wants to go into a dream and grab hold of Freddy, bring him out into the real world and get her father to arrest him. So we know, in theory, that's a fairly good idea. Uh, So she decides, okay, she rigs booby traps around the house. She's going to do a home alone on him. You know, she's, you know, pull him out of the dream. Then she's got all these uh, traps for him, uh, just like Kevin McAllister, and you know, blah blah blah. And, you know. <laughs> I don't know why I went down that road either. Anyway, she rigs all these traps and goes to sleep, and she grabs Kruger out of the dream, pulls him into the real world. The baby traps affect Kruger enough that Nancy can light him on fire. And lock him in the basement. Now, interestingly, um, that was Robert England's uh, speciality. Uh, he started out as, if memory serves, uh, a stuntman, and he actually specialised in the the stunts where someone got set on fire. You know, so anybody running about in the movies in the late seventies, early eighties, and they're in flames. That was there's a high chance that that was Robert England doing that stunt. So the fact that he ended up playing a a serial killer demon character that is brutally burned, you know, that's the Freddy Krueger and his striped jumper and hat and glove and the burned face. That's uh, I don't want to say poetic, but it's just <laughs> it's just uh, it's strange that uh, Robert England specialising in them stones ended up playing a character that was actually burned to death so uh, he's locked in the basement Nancy rushes to the door for help she breaks the window she's shouting across the street for her father uh, the police arrive to find Kruger has escaped from the basement you see all these 
patches of fire around the house leading from the basement up the stairs and uh, Nancy and Dawn go upstairs to find a burning Kruger smaller and Marge in her bedroom after Dawn extinguishes the fire Kruger and Marge vanish into the bed and uh, that's that is a, a sequence that freaked me out quite a bit whenever I was a kid uh, you know uh, you see the, the charred skeleton body of her mother disappearing down into this hole on the bed and like this arm one of the arms rises up as if to wave goodbye as it goes down and, and the, the mattress uh, the hole in the mattress disappears and then it's just a, a normal mattress again so uh, when Don leaves the room Kruger rises from the bed behind Nancy and realising that Kruger is powered by his victim's fear she calmly turns her back on him and uh, pretty much like you've got no power over me sort of a deal and as Freddy lunges to uh, stab her in the back he evaporates and uh, disappears uh, next morning Nancy steps out outside into a bright and foggy morning where all her friends that have died throughout the movie and her mother are still alive Nancy gets into the lens convertible to go to school and then the top suddenly comes up and you know it's a convertible car and the roof comes up closes down on the top of it and locks in into the car and uh, the roof is the colours of Freddy's jumper uh, the car drives uncontrollably down the street uh, three girls in white dresses playing jump rope are heard chanting Kruger's nursery rhyme you know one two Freddy's coming for you three four you better lock your door and uh, at the door Nancy's mother she's waving all smiles and uh, next thing Freddy's arm comes through the window and drags her in through the front door and uh, that's probably the the worst visual effect in the movie but it works it does work it just it's it doesn't look good <laughs> but uh, it's obviously a mannequin at a certain point the, the arm grabs Marge there's a quick cut and the, the mannequin is pulled through the window and the movie ends there so uh, Nancy got away but then we end off in another nightmare at the end of the film so uh, Freddy's not gone and he, he hung about for a heck of a long time and I'm pretty sure in 2021 we're going to be seeing more of Freddy Krueger at some point so uh, right let's get some facts about this movie Nightmare on Elm Street 84 written and directed by Wes Craven produced by Robert Shea that's obviously the first installment in the Nightmare on Elm Street Stars there are Langenkamp, John Saxon, Ronnie Blakely, Robert England as Freddy Krueger, and Johnny Depp again in his film debut. Uh, the plot concerns teenagers living on the street, fictitious town of Springwood, Ohio, who are invaded and killed in their dreams and must killed in reality by a bird killer with a bladed letter love. Um, let me see, Craven filmed. Nightmare on Elm Street on an estimated $1.1 million. The film was released November 9th, 84, grossed a $75 million worldwide payback. That was that's an amazing payback for a movie for that time. 
Nightmare on Elm Street was met with rave critical reviews and is considered to be one of the greatest horror films ever made. I would agree with that. Uh, spawned a franchise consisting of six sequels, a television series. I have seen a couple of episodes of that. I cannot get it tracked down anywhere. I can't even get it streaming at this point. So if anybody's listening to this and you've got any idea of where I can get my hands on a Nightmare on Elm Street series, let me know. There's a few listings have popped up on eBay that I'm keeping an eye on at this point. But it's they're not accurate enough for me to actually commit to buying at this point because it's uh, you don't know which volume you're getting and if you buy the one and then you go to another list and buy it too you, it's not really clear if you're buying the same or different but it's 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 eBay it's just some people just do not list things properly from time to time. Um, TV series cro- uh, crossover with Friday the 13th I had completely forgotten about that and various other merchandise. A remake of the same name was released in 2010 which wasn't fantastic if memory serves and aside from stunts polyester and alone in the dark it was one of the first films to be produced by new line cinema who by that point mostly distributed films leading the company to become a successful film studio up until 2008 and was even nicknamed the house that freddie built the film is credited with using many of the tropes found in low-budget horror movies of the 70s and 80s that originated with John Carpenter's Halloween, which we're going to be doing here as well at some point in the lead-up to Halloween, and uh, led to the sub-genre called the slasher film. The film includes a morality play where sexually promiscuous teenagers are killed. Critics and film historians state that the film's premise is the struggle to find the distinction between dreams and reality manifested by the lives and the dreams of the teens in the film. Critics today praise the film's ability to transgress the boundaries between the imaginary and real, toying with the audience perceptions. I would highly agree with that there, like as I said earlier on in the, the show here, there are certain points in the movie where characters drift into a nightmare scenario but as far as you as the audience is concerned you're not aware that they're actually in the dream at this point until something messed up happens that's very very well done and uh you know it's an amazing an amazing film even to this day uh it's been a I actually watched the film in preparation for this podcast, but again, with everything that's going on in my personal life, and uh, just having my head so far up my ass, trying to stop smoking, I haven't actually got to record this podcast as soon as I wanted to, so uh, let me see, is there anything else to talk about? Not so much, I'm going through some listings here on the internet to... uh, yeah, that's just going into severe detail that we don't really need at this point. If you, if you're interested in finding more about the film, you know, hop on to Google and knock yourself out. But uh, I wanted to get back into it and get the the horror stuff going. We're we're too far into October right now, October seventeenth, and I was 
I really should have been on the ball from the 1st of October, considering Halloween is just around the corner. I uh, should have been on these podcasts a heck of a lot quicker than I have been. So I do apologise if you are one of the, the four people that tend to listen to these. But uh, we're back and we're at it again. So in the next episode we're going to be doing our Buffet of the Vampire Slayer. Um, I know, probably if you're listening to this for the first time, you're kind of like, why the heck are you doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all of this horror stuff? Originally, I wanted to do a series of reviews on the my YouTube channel. Here's Rodder's reviews for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But I'm, I was doing a, a mess load of other things there. And it was just, I felt that it was going to be clashing with the, the style of the other stuff that I was doing. Because I'm, I'm delving into a heck of a lot of... 80s cartoons on the YouTube channel at the minute, so I didn't want to be skipping from like a an 80s cartoon review into like a horror review, and then I thought to myself, you know what, everything's changing on YouTube that much now, it's kind of hard to know what you can and you cannot talk about these days, so I thought to myself, well get a, a podcast going just for Buffy the Vampires there, and of course, that's based on like horror stuff as well, so it was like, you know, let's just do a flat out horror podcast where we skip between uh you know at its core and it was started as a, a buffy podcast that's why it's called hellmouth outline of course buffy vampires there set on top of the hellmouth so uh that is what it is so we're going to be doing that and i hope you'll hang about so if you're not interested in the buffy stuff you know that's only every other day come back and we'll be doing some movies and stuff from the the early 80s we're definitely going to be doing up until Halloween, we'll definitely get all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies done, and we'll get into the actual Halloween movies as well. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please uh, follow, rate, and review all that sort of good stuff, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been a production of Coins Edge Media. Thank you so much for listening.